Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Then Again, the podcast of the Northeast Georgia History Center. I am Leslie Jones, Collections and Archives Manager, as well as Curator, and today I have with us Dr. Philip Gurdy, Associate Professor of History at the University of North Georgia. I practically mention Dr. Gurdy every podcast or video I am in and at the History Center, and we will get to why in a minute. Dr. Reedy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I always love doing these podcasts. They're so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so I think we have like a, a really interesting history. I think I've known you from the very first day I started at UNG yes. to the very last. So <laughs> Exactly. So we did a bunch of things. Um, we did History Club together, mm -hmm. which was really fun. Yes. Yeah. I started the File of Theta chapter and you were the advisor for that. Yeah, and that was right. That was brand new to, to the campus at mm -hmm. that time. Yes. Yeah, and then I did maybe 12 plus research conferences uh, yes. with you. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is so cool. Yeah, um, I really loved it. It was so yeah. fun. I mean, it's like you're the model student, right? Oh, thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. I tried. <laughs> and then you also were the intern advisor and still are for the History Center and for the interns at UNG. I was interned three times with one with Dr. Nicholas that used to work at UNG. Mm -hmm and twice with the History Center. Right. And you right. still help with interns today. I so. do, yeah, every semester. Yeah. I'm still trying to, to build that program as well. And finally, last but certainly not least, is you were my thesis advisor yes, for my I master's. Yes, I was going to wonder, I was about to say, don't forget about your <laughs> master's, that's right. Yes, and yeah. I, I, I do want to apologize again for making you write that book <laughs> when you only needed to write. Maybe an extended essay. Well, I loved it. It was really fun, <laughs> and I loved the end result. So yes. at the time, it was very stressful, but right. now I'm really glad that you and, made me do it. Yeah, and it's awesome. And in, in fact, I think you could turn it into a book. I would, I would love to do that when, you know, yeah. I have the time. <laughs> so I wanted to just start off by asking you what led you to study the Victorian cult. You know, this that's a very interesting question because I think it was instead of one thing, so it wasn't sort of one incident or, or something. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of cultural influences, especially pop culture influences, Oh yeah. especially starting like quite, quite young. And that doesn't mean I was out, you know, I was a kid interested in this stuff, <laughs> but it's more that if you go back to when I was a child during the seventies, you, you, you do have this sort of popular culture. I don't know if infatuation with the supernatural cult and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think if you if you looked, there was probably a lot of like Ouija boards sold during that period or something, right? You had something like The Exorcist, which came out when I was quite, quite, I was too young to even, right? But I think what that meant was you have this sort of interest in these things. And so I think I carried that with me. And then coming, when I got a little older, mm -hmm. you had sort of the satanic panics that happened in the 1980s. And I think that and did intrigue me because I was in my teens at that time. And I think I was like, well, what is this about? Mm -hmm. Right. And it and I'd always been kind of scientifically minded. Not a surprise. That's what we do as historians. Right. right? Apply scientific method. But that is kind of part of who I am. So I think I was just really curious as to right in this modern age, why we're worried about these things. Right. Ghosts and spirits and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that drew my attention. And I think also. I was at that time very much proud of like living at the time I lived. Like mm -hmm. I was very much into this kind of sound weird, but into the modern, into modernity. So it seems so anti-modern that that also, right, 
was yeah. curious that it's like, well, here we are. We have all this technological innovations. We're living, you know, the best we've lived. And yet we're still scared of the ghost in the closet. Mm -hmm. And so that that intrigued me. And then also, I think, I mean, just other things like I at one point, I remember one of my friends or somebody had tarot cards and I was like, telling the future. What is that? <laughs> Again, right. Very intrigued by it. So it's all those things that kind of plant the seeds. And then for a long time, though, this wasn't considered like a valid discipline of study, the supernatural mm -hmm. and the cold. It really wasn't. It's something I, I probably had somebody said, well, you know, you could go research this in the Victorian period or the 18th century or something like that. But it wasn't really something people did much until, I mean, you had in the 70s, like Keith Thomas, Religion, Decline of Magic. Mm -hmm. But it's not until really, I mean, for me, it's not until like Owen Davies begins to write a lot um, in the 1990s, 2000s. So I stumbled upon that, realized there was now an interest in it from an academic point of view. Mm -hmm. And that led me to the path of it's almost validation. And yeah. How about you? Um, well, I've always been into horror supernaturally kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I honestly didn't know that you could study it, you know, since most of the time it is considered a joke. Right. So when I first met you and I was taking your historiography class and you had in your special folder the Victorian occult, and I was like, excuse me, <laughs> there's a class on that? And I just was interested from day one. I think it also helped when we did that project where we had to create like a progress over time kind of paper. Mm -hmm. And I was learning about the Vanderbilts. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about Victoria Woodhull right. from that. And then what spiritualism was. And then I was hooked. Right. It, yeah. yeah. It's that kind of thing that once you kind of see that it's, it is a valid thing to investigate. And I don't know well, how it took so long. My, my guess is it really rises with cultural history. So before you have cultural history spread in a big way, you just don't have people seeing this as something that's you know, needed, that people need to research. Yeah, right? and that's something we've talked about a lot is that yeah. people still have this misconception about the occult right. and the study of it. And, you know, there's all these ghost hunters out there, so it's kind of like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right, right? Yeah, unfortunately for us, we get kind of two reactions. One is, yeah, the ghost hunting pop culture thing where mm -hmm. people are all of a sudden interested in, in whether we're out hunting ghosts, right? They don't, no, 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 we don't. We, we're interested in why people believe in ghosts. We're not interested in finding ghosts. But then you get it from kind of, yeah, the, the other side where it's, it's seen as something evil, right? So to even study it is somehow... I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I, I think every time I ever mention what my thesis is, I start off by saying, I don't believe in it, but, right. and then I continue with it because the right. history is what's fascinating to me. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. right. In the, the history and the sort of, I guess, the interdisciplinary reasons people believe in why, why they believe in what they believe mm -hmm. in, right? That's interests me as well. Yeah, and you your know. master's thesis was on Stead, right? It was, yeah, but it was him as an imperialist. So I had no idea when I was writing that thesis. I guess, you know, I may have had an idea, but I didn't, it wasn't on my radar mm -hmm. that he was such, a, that he was so into spiritualism and spirit writing and, and the occult. Um, that kind of came a little later, I think, once I was actually at UNG. Oh, so you weren't even... You didn't even have the no. spiritualism part of it no. in your thesis? No. Oh. Because I looked at him as a as a journalist and mm -hmm. then as somebody who was sort of in using the media to to support the spread of empire. Mm -hmm. So it was mainly 
what happened in the Sudan with Charles Gordon. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that I didn't. That is interesting, yeah, especially because you wrote about Borderlands, his newspaper, right? Correct. Which was the Spiritualism newspaper. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So my guess would be at the time. I don't think the yeah, again, going back to that point, I don't think if I went in and said, hey, I want to write WT status spiritualist, I'm, I'm not sure how that would have been I imagine received. It, it would have been much harder to study the occult when you were getting your thesis than when I was getting my thesis. Correct. So yeah. did some of them not take you seriously or maybe they told you, no, I don't think you should do that or? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I did a research proposal. This was when I was at Indiana mm -hmm. and I took a sort of a, it was an intro to method, you know, a graduate intro methods class. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I must have started to get a little interested in it. So that would have been the nine, that would have been 2000, 2001, something along those lines. So mm -hmm. by that time, you do start having a, a field emerge. But I remember I wanted to do for the 18th century sort of a belief in ghosts. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was not looked on favorably. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I mean, Almost. it still kind of isn't, but luckily yes. I had you because if I didn't, I'm not sure I would have been able to do what I wanted to research. So. Yeah, it's weird like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that's the beauty of cultural history. We look at, right, there are no topics that are off, out, right, that cannot be investigated. Yeah. So you like 18th century occult too? Uh, that was no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, an, it was, I think actually... My advisor at the time was an 18th century historian, so oh, okay. I felt the need to to look at the 18th century when I really should have looked at the 19th century. Mm -hmm. I think the 18th century is neat because you do have a lot of patterns set in the 18th that then sort of explode in the 19th. Mm -hmm. And at the time, 18th century studies was really kind of taking off because the Victorian period had gotten all of the glory as far as its role in creating all these things we see today, industrialization and right. mass media and all of that. And the 18th century scholars at that time were saying, no, well, you, that's, you're just following on what the 18th century did. Mm -hmm. So there was this, I think, I don't know, it was kind of a you know, preference that maybe I look at the 18th century. I think yeah. that's why I like the Victorian period. Like you were saying, is yeah. the rise of technology, all this stuff is going on, modernity is starting. Yes. And they believed that ghosts were coming through because if telegrams can work, right. then of course ghosts can go through waves too. That's what's so neat about it. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's why I prefer the Victorian period because you do have it's a, it's so much more and it's bigger and mm -hmm. it's 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 greater in that sense. So just taking into account technology and the intersection of science and technology. So all of a sudden you wouldn't have had that in the 18th century as much, mm -hmm. but by the 19th century by that by that I mean using technology to somehow discover what happens after death or And there were more prominent people in mm -hmm. the 19th century mm -hmm. doing occult practices. Charles Dickens, yeah. Queen Elizabeth, right. Queen Victoria, right. Abraham Lincoln and Mary Todd Lincoln. Right. There were just so many people that were doing it and then influencing mm -hmm. others to do it. Right. Yeah, I think it for a period of time it's not as much superstition as science mm -hmm. which is neat and but i think that's isn't right. that part of that the crisis of faith that they were having mm -hmm. in britain that that helped push that yeah definitely yeah yeah and it almost i mean it depends how yeah how you want to how you want to look at it but i think that yes it's almost like it reinvigorates faith mm -hmm. because for a long time i think faith and science didn't necessarily go together right but there's this period in the victorian 
kind of time where it it does. It's almost like it's like optimistic in a way mm -hmm. that humanity's on the verge of being able to solve using technology something that humans have never been able to solve. What happens after we die, mm -hmm. right? Or things along those lines. And you could throw into that sort of the expanding empire and explorers going into all these places that right. are mysterious, unexplored. Right? Are there monsters? Like to us, right? No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at that time, you, it would be kind of neat to think, wow, they could uncover something that we've never discovered before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's always absolutely fascinating. And most people don't understand is, is most of the occult had religion in it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, with spiritualism, they yes. said a prayer before every single one of them. Yes. There was that one that I read, remember, that did communion? Yes. The ghost told her to do it. That's right. Exactly. Just, just fascinating. And, and yeah. I think a lot of people just automatically get afraid of it mm -hmm. because of the push that churches made them believe that it was scary, just like the Ouija board. Right. Exactly. That they would, they would, I think into, even to the 19th, 19th century, there's still some people are thinking in terms of, laws that are set that humans are not supposed to to violate or yeah. somehow manipulate. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not everybody. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, societies that we looked at that incorporate Christian ideas. So the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, right? It mm -hmm. takes all these influences from around the world and kind of combines them, of which Christianity plays a role. So yeah, I, I, I think that's kind of neat. I, that's one area I'd like to research sometime is more how these ideas are, are brought together, right? I'm really interested about theosophy. That's what I was going to, yeah. They completely ignored Christianity and went to Buddhism. Right. And it was so popular. Yes. It, a lot of people moved from spiritualism to theosophy with a blink right. of an eye. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And those things, I mean, much to what the chagrin of the spiritualists mm -hmm. <laughs> and the other way around. But I, I think that would be neat to look at. More. Me too. I, I, Helena Blavatsky is mm -hmm. just an amazing woman to look at. Oh, fascinating. And all her books. She wrote mm -hmm. so many books on it, too. So Yeah. And like you said, very, very popular. Mm -hmm. Even after she's sort of exposed as <laughs> doing some things which are, yeah, not, not so on on the level, mm -hmm. right? Almost conning people that didn't necessarily cause the movement to falter. Um, I mean, even when she passes, it continues. Annie Bassan yeah. and goes on and on. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, even today you have you have theosophy around. Right, yeah, and you still there's still spiritualism churches. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's absolutely fascinating to me. And I know there's one in California, there's one in mm -hmm. Indiana. Mm -hmm. There's just a couple in, in America, but there's still a lot in mm -hmm. Britain. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, even going back to what I was sort of saying about when I was younger, I think there was probably that kind of comes back seances. They almost come in fashion again in some some circles. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And this is <laughs> this especially, is. you know, today with the exorcist, mm -hmm. while I am upset about the exorcist and how they convey the Ouija board and now everybody's terrified of it. <laughs> uh, it also brought occult history into the limelight, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I find Ouija boards are always so fascinating, mm -hmm. right? It, that was something I did when I <laughs> when I was in my teens, was intrigued I could go to like Toys R Us and buy <laughs> this portal to the netherworld, supposedly, yeah. right? <laughs> and it did originate in, in America, right? I, yes, it British. did. Well, yes, I believe the sort of one we, we, we know of. Yeah. 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 It's sort of what it. Egyptian magic boards, and there were all variations of mm -hmm. them. Yeah. 
Now, I know I like specifically British spiritualism and Mm -hmm. occult because of how kind of, I guess I would say, elitist they were about the occult there. Yes. It was so different from America, which is is really interesting, too, in my research, how different British and French and Italian spiritualism could be. It was all different in different countries. Yeah, that's true. That's right. And... I think it's a, I mean, you know better than I do, solidly middle class, at least to what shows up in newspapers and periodicals and what gets attention. Mm-hmm. It would be neat to look at at some point laboring class, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure what's there. It always um, feels weird when you say I know more than you do about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought you were the expert. Well, <laughs> this, you, you researched this very well. So. I have. <laughs> because of the novel you made me write. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, uh, I'm curious, does the tarot differ in different countries too? Because I know that's like your area. There are different ones and different ways of using it. So, really? Yeah, even within even within Britain, mm-hmm. in the United States, yeah, different decks, different, just complete variation, especially as time has gone on. Um, it's just fascinating that like today that yeah. people still are using it. Like I told you, <laughs> you could go get one at Target. Yeah. Yeah, I know, isn't it? it? And yeah, I wonder, I know it doesn't come from, obviously it come from Britain. Mm -hmm. So it's like France, France is very influential. Italy, it's like Renaissance period, certainly the 19th century. Yeah. But that does lead to lots of variations. But it wasn't popular until the 20th century, right? Yeah, that's generally, not until you really have the rider weight Mm-hmm. deck that's mass produced and mass sold but i and that's an area because again i stop at the victorian and mm-hmm. i know where it comes from there and how it's sold i'm, I'm not sure cir- like circulation numbers and things right. like that I, w- I would love to to find that out but i wonder when it picks up again 60s 70s because like you said at some point it becomes something that's commonplace mm-hmm. i know in the 1980s at least it's commonplace in bookstores like you go to the mall go to Walden books, yeah. right? This old bookstore that <laughs> all Walden. Yeah, saw. right. The, and you could you could get them there, yeah. and they would have more than just one. They would have a variety of them. So mm-hmm. something, which is weird, right? Because that's at the same time you have this sort of satanic panic happen, but still they're circulating. Right, and the Ouija board they don't want to touch because bad things can come mm-hmm. out of it. But yes. they use tarot. Everyone uses tarot. Yeah, and there's no association the same with that right. yeah that is interesting yeah. isn't it yeah i wonder if i wonder why that is again another night neat thing to research for some reason they don't seem as threatening seems like knowing your fate is okay but talking to a dead yeah. person is not <laughs> yeah right i wonder if it doesn't have to do with you're just dealing cards mm-hmm. but with a ouija something is I, again this is probably your more your area but something has to kind of take the person over to move the the planchette. Well, as we know, the spiritualism was never scary. It wasn't about evil demon spirits mm-hmm. coming out. It was always talking right. to your loved ones. Right. And really, I, I mean, like you said, I'm only in 19th century, so I don't mm-hmm. know the specifics. But I think that the exorcist did start a, mm-hmm. a fright about that. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. before that, I don't remember seeing any evil spirits coming out of a board before. No. I, I And maybe that's the jump from these little communities to, mm-hmm. to pop culture at large. Uh, yeah, again, right? It would be neat to look at. Maybe we should go out of our comfort zone yes. and maybe study some 20th century. Yeah, I, I'm starting to, <laughs> to dig the 20th century lately. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I know... There's that 
famous Saturday Evening Post picture that had the Ouija, the couple doing oh, the Ouija board. Oh, I remember board. that. So yeah. you have the 20s, it's popular. Mm -hmm. And then I've not researched, but I've sort of read, heard mm -hmm. that it then decreases in popularity only to reemerge, you know, late 50s, 60s, yeah, certainly the 70s. We had talked about how it rise during World War One, right down and then rise again during World War Two. Right, as you have this sort of, yeah, I'm, again, tragedy on a level yeah. that's not easy to comprehend, and a lot of, a lot of people died, a lot of loved ones mm -hmm. in those wars. I think that's also why in the 19th century it got so popular too, was because mm -hmm. of how many people were dying at that time. Right, exactly. And a lot of wars going on there. Exactly. In the right, the 19th century, this sort of age of epidemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I, we know from our own research, just you know, a family, almost all fan, the whole family can be wiped out by. Scarlet fever, or something, right? Right. Yeah. And I think traditional beliefs can carry someone far to a certain point, but I think it's these other beliefs that we research that people try to, you know, try to reach for more. So if a a Ouija board offers hope, then they'll, they'll why not? Right. right? There's so, nothing to lose. I know we always talk about spiritualism and we talk about tarot, we talk mm -hmm. about all those things, but what what's maybe something that we don't normally talk about in the occult that you're interested in? Oh, that's a very good question. Something that we don't, you know, I'm increasingly interested in more than just like middle class mm -hmm. ideas and beliefs. Because like you said, the spiritualist movement has that base, theosophy, right. middle, upper, yeah, you know, the, the occult societies. So the hermetic order of the golden dawn. Those are definitely upper class. Yeah, yeah. that's all. And I would like, I think Carl Bell probably goes into this. He's a, a scholar that mm -hmm. does urban urban world in the occult and supernatural. And I, I, I think I would like to look at maybe, you know, working classes a bit and see what happens there. Um, yeah, because we've talked about how the lower class didn't get the opportunities to go see a seance or do tarot Correct. or whatever because they couldn't afford it. Correct. So that would be really interesting mm -hmm. to figure out what they did because there isn't right. that much documented Correct. about what they did. Did they create their own seance or what they thought it was like? That's right. That's you know? right. How did they, yeah, how did they kind of do those things? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, there must have been, like in anywhere else, there's going to be some sort of demand. There's going to be an interest in it. So yeah. we need to look at how, how that, that does work. And that's specifically mm -hmm. for British because we know in American mm -hmm. spiritualism, they were lower class. Yeah. Like the Fox sisters were low class. Yeah. That created spiritualism. That's fascinating. Yeah, that would that would be fun to look at. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm always on the hunt for the next greatest monster. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we have these monsters that we know about that people knew, you know, vampires and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But you know how history is. Things can be forgotten to history. Yeah. So there, I'm sure there was a time when people forgot about like the spring spring heel jack character right and then yeah. some scholar finds out oh look if i look in all these places this thing emerges so mm -hmm. i think that would be kind of neat to to try to get back to some try to find some more victorian monsters yeah that would be pretty cool yeah i don't, I don't yeah. think there's any you know most of the origins of monsters are in america mm -hmm. you don't really see many in europe right where you have these these kind of folk ideas which are really local. So mm -hmm. there's folk traditions that are su like super super local. Mm -hmm. It would be neat to find out if there are if some of those local traditions maybe spread beyond the ones that we already know about. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think I would like to look more into the occupied territories of Britain with spiritualism. You know how we had talked about the empire. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. had. I had wanted to do a bunch of research on Hong Kong and Australia and stuff like yes. that, but it just wasn't. It was going to be way too much research for a master's thesis. That would be really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, you should do that. I, because... I would love to. I think it'd be really interesting to see mm-hmm. how Hong Kong's influence with British spiritualism and what they created out right. of it. Right. And if they still do it today. Right. And you know that we know from theosophy, you have these branches that open up throughout sort of the empire. So mm-hmm. if, if it's happening with theosophy, it's got to be happening with spiritualism. Yeah. So Australia, right? Canada, mm-hmm. India would always be fun to look at, like at least Hong Kong. There's got to be. I mean, you know, one, one place to start might just be looking at the periodicals, if there's a way to see right. Right, where the, if the periodicals mention these places and chapters or societies or something. And I did talk a little bit about India in one of my chapters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how the men were more popular in India than they were in Britain. Yeah, that was a fascinating thing you kind of uncovered there. Yeah, Yeah. I I thought it was so interesting, especially when, say, a spiritualist got caught in Mm -hmm. Britain, they would just go to India and then they were popular. (laughs) So they got exposed as like a a con person or something. They would just go, that in itself is really neat. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't understand why they were accepted there. And they would even be in the, the newspapers, like Medium and Daybreak. I saw yeah. so many articles about these men that would be caught and they would just fly to India. Well, not fly. They would go to India. Jump ship. Yeah. <laughs> and they would be popular again. And even in the newspapers, they would yeah. write how well they were doing over there. It's like, didn't you forget that they were caught? Right. What Did the happened? community... Yeah, why would the community accept them with open arms there and not? Because I'm assuming they would they would still be in these sort of British communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in and India. There were so many people that got caught in Britain that just kept got to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's a, that would be a neat thing to look at. Also, like just when, once somebody does get caught mm-hmm. <laughs> what happens yeah i looked a little bit into it there were t- two or three different people oh gosh my thesis was so long ago i can't remember their names it, it happens <laughs> dr mac i think he was exposed he even went to jail for the uh, witchcraft act yes the vagrancy act or witchcraft act yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. violating yes he the went to jail for a period and fraud. then he came out did it again and went to jail again <laughs> came out did it again and then he he got so high he would do stuff in the upper class areas like around kensington oh it's very fascinating right? they knew he was caught two times but they still kept hiring mm-hmm. him yeah yeah that's yeah a neat thing to look at. Look, even what was the, his famous D.D. Home, is it? Yes. Yeah, he Daniel was Douglas Home. Home. Yeah. I always want to say Hume, but I it's know, Home. I know, because it's spelled H-U, but you don't actually <laughs> say it that way. Right. Yeah. He was exposed. Now, he was the one that was supposedly above it. But when you, when you mm-hmm. peel away the popular history, I think he was exposed and felt no no. And consequences. I remember he was the one that didn't have an official residence. That Correct. he would go to different houses, do the seances, and then live there. Yes. Mooch off the family and then go to another place. And he just kept doing that. Yes. For 20 plus years. Yes. Yeah. And that, you don't see enough about no. that. <laughs> you would think somebody would be wise to this. So in yeah. the 19th century, was there like a, I know we talk about spiritualism, they were like, 
famous spiritualists at the mm-hmm. time. Were there anybody that was a, a famous in tarot, like that was an expert in tarot? Oh no, it's very it's very um, limited at that time. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're looking at Golden Dawn in mm-hmm. in those those members. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a real, as far as I know, in England, it's not like a big popular culture thing. It's very like it is here. That's uh, right. That's interesting too. Right. I mean, even after you have Rider Waite Coleman deck, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's later on. It, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. at the time, no, I don't think so. I mean, there. I mean, if we look at it, there's only, as far as I've been able to find, just kind of a handful of books in the Victorian Edwardian period yeah. on reading tarot and stuff. Mm-hmm. But in, or it might be included in just fortune telling books as a whole, mm-hmm. right? Divination books might include a chapter on it or something. But yeah. there's no that's true. No celebrities that I that I know of. Yeah, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I just haven't haven't run into it yet. Well maybe it's just not in British. You know how yeah. it took a while for the British to accept that area of the occult. Right. It, it's so weird how America did everything first. And then Britain, Britain would go, nah, we're too good for that. <laughs> and then years later they would go, well maybe, but we're gonna tweak it to our own thing because we're better than you. It's very British. Yes, very British. Very s- slow, long, developing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, th- I think something else I wanted to talk to you about was the um, newspapers, because mm-hmm. I know you're very, very into yes. the newspapers of the 19th century right. and how there were so many starting to happen because of print, right? Correct. That's right. So that happens. I mean, really, industrialization transforms mm-hmm the newspaper industry and media as a whole, whether you're talking about periodicals or books. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't cost as much to print a lot more. So, I mean, you first see that in, in daily newspapers that aren't occult newspapers, Mm -hmm. just things like um, daily telegraph and times of London get printed like never before, but then eventually it hits the, the occult presses as well. So all of a sudden, I mean, just an explosion in the mm-hmm. number and types of newspapers. I've not counted it up, but you know from There's at the least database. 50, yeah. at least, in yeah. the Victorian period. And then <laughs> in the Edwardian, there's even more. Yes. Yeah. And that's the type of thing that when I first encountered it, it kind of gave me goosebumps, goosebumps because it, it validates what, I'm a, what I assume to be true, which was that even though it's like the occult and supernatural, it's not hidden away. Mm-hmm. It's opposite. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, we're, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people so subscribing to these the circulations are are good mm-hmm. so it's a genuine genuine interest in these things and it's not just a a general interest these are pretty specific you've seen these periodicals i mm-hmm. mean there's you know hermetic ones there's theosophy theosophy periodicals there's spiritualist periodicals mm-hmm. and those are really circulating out there at the same time so yeah, I like newspapers. I think they're a gauge of interest, right? Because mm-hmm. um, it, it goes to what I was, that article I always want to finish um, <laughs> on the business of the occult. Yeah. Because I think that's not just you and I supposing something. But mm-hmm. if you have a publisher who's making a living out of off of selling these things, then that's a that's a real hard piece of evidence that that it is existing and circulating and people are interested in buying it, right? Somebody's gonna pay for something. There's right. a, that's the ultimate test of their interest, to me at least. And that still was upper class for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it got to middle class when, when more papers developed, Correct. right? But then the lower class still couldn't afford it. Right. Or if they could, the location where they could go pick up the newspaper was in the 
the west side yes which meant they couldn't get to the paper to buy one correct that's that's why i'm interested in that yeah, yeah. because a lot of them like you're right some of these publishers wouldn't ship them you'd have to go to the mm-hmm the publishing house. Yeah, they go, and, and we sell it. at this street and mm-hmm. this building and this one. Right. Now, the issue's out now, go get it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it. they tend to be in, in the West End, mm-hmm. a lot of these, or or they'll be in the publishing areas or things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. So yeah, how does it, you know, and then I guess it's tough because if somebody does, you don't know how much a paper circulates necessarily. So mm-hmm. if, if somebody from the working classes did i want i'm just curious how many people would see it how it would circulate and stuff or if they'd even want it Mm -hmm. since they right right they couldn't participate in any of the occult stuff correct did they even want it if they could have it correct and what culturally did those did what was carried by the middle class perspective that ends up in all of these things because it is it's right it's it's not just who's buying it but who's producing it who's Mm -hmm. writing it what their perspective is what their assumptions are things like that it was also really gossipy oh as yeah you know know, mrs guppy was on at this place and did this seance and it was great why does a lower class person want to know or care this fashionable thing yes agnes guppy At a, at a house at a doing a private seance like right. they just don't care it doesn't apply. yeah yeah, yeah. it does it's not relevant to their daily lives and again yeah. like in america they were everywhere it yeah. was all lower class it was they were reading the papers and and the british newspapers would go over there and they could read them that's fascinating yeah mm-hmm. i i have yeah no i no idea yeah Medium and Daybreak and the Spiritualist, the British newspapers, yeah, would go over to America and an average Joe could go get it. Huh. So I wonder they would just be distributed. They'd either be print. They'd have rights to print it and distribute it mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just love. Always love talking to you. <laughs> I'm it's glad great. he finally came here. He's at the History Center <laughs> today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I just want to thank you again for being oh, here. This is I love doing these they're yeah, always such wonderful conversations definitely yeah all right thanks for having me then again is a production of the northeast georgia history center in gainesville georgia our podcast is edited by andrews gilles our digital and on-site programs are made possible by the ada may iuster education center please join us next week for another episode of then again